Welcome to the QI chat room. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode features Jessica Moore, Director of Innovations at Petaluma Health Center, who will talk about the FASE program. FASE stands for Preventing Heart Attacks and Strokes Every Day, which is an evidence-based approach that first helped Kaiser Permanente reduce heart disease morbidity by 60% among its members. During this episode, Jessica will talk about how FASE can be implemented as a care team and what roles members of the care team have to play. She starts off by talking about the reporting measures for the program. Here's Jessica. As within the past, there is a big focus on controlling blood pressure and A1Cs. Um, but in addition, you know, there are things that have changed. It, you really used to be focused on everybody who meets the criteria on these three medications, right? Like everybody gets an aspirin, a statin, and an ACE inhibitor. And, you know, the, that has really shifted. And the, the only medication measure now is really um, patients who are at high risk for cardiovascular events who were prescribed or are on a statin therapy. Um, so um, I think that with these new guidelines, you know, we've really been able to get a lot more specific about which medications are appropriate for which of these populations um, and really with a renewed focus on lifestyle measures. So, you know, in addition to the clinical measures around um, diabetes blood pressure control, hypertension blood pressure control, A1C control less than nine, um, really screening for depression and follow-up, and the tobacco use screening and cessation intervention, and the BMI screening and follow-up. And, um, you know, those things in addition to the health equity measure, um, I think that that is going to give kind of everybody on the team something that they can feel some ownership of and um, take on in a meaningful way. Yeah. So you mentioned the tobacco measure, and I know that vaping is not necessarily a part of that, and we're not required to report on that, but that's certainly something that we'd ideally ask about, and so just wondering if you have any tips on how to ask patients about that, and maybe it can be documented somewhere, even if it's not a structured field, but sure. Yeah, so um, 
There is actually a new, um, if you're using ECW, there's a new tobacco control form that does include um, vaping. So that is exciting. If you're not using the most up-to-date um, smart form on that, there there are some new fields and ways to report that. Because, you, as you mentioned, it's really significant, and we know that that um, increases risks just as smoking does. And so we really do want to capture that. I think that um, the tobacco-free um, California, um, there are a lot of resources and a lot of energy now, and even at the county level, in terms of you know getting the information out about the harmful effects of vaping and um, resources to support health centers, um, families, schools. You know, kind of thinking about that from preventing preventing people to getting started at all. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and for the BMI measure, do you have any advice on making that as meaningful as possible? Um, you know, we, we want to reach everyone and sometimes if we're lucky enough to have an RD at a health center, they're maybe fully booked for, you know, quite a while. An RD is a registered dietitian who's licensed to counsel patients on their dietary habits. While some health centers have an RD on staff, many do not. Those that do are often limited in how many patients that RD can fit into their schedule. Um, it says, I know some folks have classes on site, but just wondering any advice for the care team, how to connect those people or, or what they can do in the moment to help folks with a, an out-of-range BMI. Yeah, so I think um, anybody with an out-of-range BMI um, is, again, you know, somebody who is going to benefit from just a short, even a short dose of some, um, some coaching. So, you know, asking the question, like, what are you doing that um, is healthy, right? Like, so being able to encourage people to continue the things that they are doing and like, you know, what's one thing that you would like to do to improve your health? And really kind of taking it away from focusing exclusively on the weight um, and really kind of thinking about it in the context of what is your overall health and your overall risk. Um, because people, um, you know, are going to be in different places with that. You know, somebody with a BMI of 35, like maybe they have a sedentary job and they have family that they're taking care of and they feel like, you know, activity may not really be, may be really difficult for them. And if we kind of go in with that idea, like, okay, you need to exercise. All right, like, let's get you exercising, okay? Like, that seems like a good goal for you. Like, they're not going to feel heard or respected. Um, so really going in with a question of, you know, what are you doing now that is, you know, working? And, and maybe they, you know, it gives them a moment of reflection, like, you know, I'm really not doing anything right now that is, for me or that's helping and okay like you know what would you like to do um trying to you know be open and um really let the patient kind of guide that conversation and supporting them in the changes that they want to make we're going to get a lot farther if we join with them right than if we're trying to they're headed one way and we're trying to take them off some other way right like don't you want to run a marathon? Like, let's do that, right? Yeah, I think that's a great point to meet them where they are and ask what matters to them. And it might not be what you think should matter to them. Their goal might be a little unrelated to what 
uh, you think they need to work on. But I think that that's okay, and that could be a good starting place in a way to engage the patient and to, to form a good relationship with them. It also teaches you a lot about their level of awareness and, like, what what is contributing to their, um, you know, chronic health conditions, um, you know, or if you ask them, you know, what are you, what are you eating that's, that's good for you, right? And they tell you, like, oh, you know, I'm... I'm eating a lot of potatoes and a lot of tortillas, and those are good for me, right? And it's like an opportunity, like, well, I mean, there are some good things about that. And, you know, those are maybe not the best things, especially if you are somebody living with diabetes. And let's talk about that, right? Yeah, you can kind of get a sense of their nutrition education. And, mm-hmm. yeah. for, so for this next uh, round of phase, uh, do you see any challenges or particular opportunities for for care teams, uh, whatever role they, they play, to engage with patients or to help move the measures in a positive direction? Um, you know, I think there's kind of endless opportunities. <laughs> um, you know, from from the if you think about kind of the the journey of the patient through their visit and all the different people that they touch. Um, you know, from the time if you have a patient that is living with diabetes that comes in for a visit, you know, from the time the medical assistant like, you know, pricks their finger to check their hemoglobin A1C, like that is a moment for potential education, right? That doesn't necessarily take a lot more time, but just to find out, um, do you know what A1C is measuring? You know, do you know what your last A1C was? Do you know what your goal is? for your A1C, um, and and that will kind of give us a lot of baseline information. You know, is this somebody who is kind of actively engaged in their care and kind of knows what their goal is and is, like, really motivated to get there, or is this somebody who has some barriers and some challenges and or, you know, just hasn't had the education that we would um, want them to to really be able to live successfully with this chronic disease? So I think kind of looking at every thing that we do and what are the opportunities there. Kind of same with blood pressure. You know, a medical assistant checks the blood pressure, telling the patient what their blood pressure was and what the goal is for their blood pressure. And, um, you know, finding out, like, what are you doing that would, you know, what's going on that might increase your blood pressure? Is this and kind of looking at how it um, has changed over time, right? And looking for opportunities to encourage and support people when they're progressing towards goal, right? Like maybe they're not there yet, but maybe they're making good steps. And um, you know, their blood pressure was 170 over 100 last time, and this time it's 150 over 90. Like they're headed in the right direction. How did you get there? Like I noticed, you know, I'm putting in the, oh, I noticed last time your blood pressure was really high. Like what did you do that got it, you know, lower and really celebrate that and give people an opportunity to, you know, reflect and say, oh yeah, you know, I, I've been taking my medication every day or, you know, I started walking after dinner. Great. Like how many days a week are you doing that? Do you think you like, what about doing it one more day? Like, is that possible? So, again, like, it doesn't have to be, um, we don't have to think about it as a huge intervention every time, but just thinking about everything that we're doing as an opportunity to engage with patients 
Um, you know, I think that whoever closes the visit also has a really good opportunity, whether that's, you know, depending on your care team model or just depending on the day, right, and the, and the patient. Any of us on the team might be closing that visit. It might be the provider, it might be the nurse, it might be the medical assistant, it might be the pharmacist. Um, really taking a minute and um, for that teach back, you know, to say, all right, we talked about a lot of different things today, so how are you going to take your medications differently when you leave? Going over that after-visit summary and making sure that um, patients know, you know where they're going to pick up their medication, if there were you know, labs that were important, that they know how and where to do that. And um, you know, if we set a goal or an action plan that you know, we have a plan for following up and that they feel confident that they can accomplish that. So, you know, I think that if we all kind of doubled down on some of these tools for, for coaching and supporting, um, then we would, you know, would go a long way in getting to these goals. Why do you think it's so important for the different members of the care team to work together? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I think about it from a patient perspective. Um, if you know, I have all of these different people that I'm interacting with and I'm either getting kind of a, a different message from them all or it feels like they're, they're not in alignment with each other, um, then it might make me question um, the, the advice or, you know, the, the interventions. I'm like, well, you know, like that's, that's different than what, this person was telling me, right? Or um, they don't seem to care at all about this thing that my nurse said was like so important, right? Um, so I think that's one thing from a patient perspective, just to really um, kind of align and be consistent and supportive in the message. And then also just practically, there's just more work than any one of us can do, right? We need to kind of, um, support each other in the process and make sure that, you know, um, I'm delivering the piece of the care that um, that I'm most familiar with, um, you know, or that I am the, I'm most trained to do, for example. So, you know, I'm going to make the recommendations for titrating their medication or in the context of a nurse visit, you know, if I have, we have standing protocols for the nurses, as many of the health centers do, that, you know, their patients coming in for a blood pressure follow-up and they're still not at goal, we've adopted this standard and so the nurse is going to make the recommendation that, you know, they're going to titrate this medication, they're going to increase their lisinopril hydrochlorothiazide from 12.510 to 2520. And um, that is, you know, um, a key piece of this also kind of everybody on the team understanding what each member can do and what they're um, have the training and the skills to do and then making sure that we are all um, you know supporting that same message I think. Sophia what are some ways that you've seen teams work effectively to meet these goals? I think one of the things that is really helpful, especially in the course of like a busy clinic shift, is um, 
kind of over over communicating, um, especially when we have these patients that are really high risk. You know, these are these are people that we really are worried like might have a heart attack or a stroke and die, right? It's not like my person with an earache that you know. Th these are like our really high risk people, and not if I'm a medical assistant, you know not just assuming that because I wrote in that their blood pressure was, you know, 180 over 110, that the provider, like, got that and is making the appropriate changes, you know, to figure out, okay, on, our, on my team, my teamlet, how can I communicate that to the provider in a way that I'm sure that, you know, they're going to get it and make a change? So maybe that's, you know, a verbal, like, as they're going in the room, you know, her blood pressure was really high, I rechecked it, and it's still really high, right? Like, as, an, as a provider, I so appreciate hearing that, you know, because maybe this is somebody who is coming in for something else, but they are high risk and they have these other conditions, um, and maybe I just didn't see it because I'm thinking about their, you know, kidney stone or something totally unrelated. Um, so, you know, communicating that. Or maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a jabber if you're using jabber, you know, to say like, oh, hey, you know, patient in room two, like really high blood pressure, like take a look, make sure you do that, right? Um, or maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's a special flag on the door, on the monitor. You know, I think there's lots of different ways that you can come up with as a team to communicate about that. Um, but I think that it is, it's always worth kind of, over communicating and um, really owning that piece of information that you got as like a really important piece for the team that is, you know, important to the patient and that is, um, you know, worthwhile. So I think that anytime, um, you know, we we have that opportunity um, to, to sit down together and kind of strategize about, all right, when these things come up, like how can we make sure that we don't miss anybody, you know, that nobody leaves with a high blood pressure that we didn't address at the visit um, or, you know, that everybody with diabetes not at goal, like there's a plan between now and when I see them in three months or, you know, or the, that, you know, there's a, there's a short term or an interim plan. Um, I think the other thing that is really useful with this population is, you know, having some time as a teamlet that you're looking at your list or thinking and thinking about these patients outside of when they show up on your schedule. Because, right, there's the people that show up on your schedule regularly and for the most part, you know, we, we do a pretty good job with those people. We're making changes and addressing things as they come in. But then there's this other group of people that maybe don't come in as regularly for a lot of different reasons. And figuring out, you know, when, the, when we have the time and space to think about those patients and, um, you know, what changes we might make outside of an office visit or, you know, how we can engage them to come back if what they really need is an office visit, how to get those labs done that they need, um, you know, how to engage them outside of the office visit. I think, you know. How does huddling play into this? Um, so, you know, huddling for us at Petaluma and when I, where I've seen it, um, you know, most effectively other places is really when the whole team is there 
and is you know making sure that all of the care gaps or the you know things that are due or outstanding for that day we're capturing that at the beginning of the shift so that the whoever rooms that patient or whoever kind of touches that patient they have a clear sense of all right, what are the goals for this visit what are the things that this patient needs and you know I can go ahead and get those things started right um, and making sure that that happens consistently every shift and um, you know that we're also thinking about what are the other services that might be appropriate for this patient when they come in you know is this somebody who we could use a nutrition warm handoff if you have a nutritionist that might be able to come in or behavioral health you know a lot of people who are living with um, chronic disease struggle with depression and really thinking about how that might be implementing I'm sorry how it might be affecting their disease and um, making changes um, and recommendations to really improve their mental health. I think that this is the kind of thing that um, it's not like a one and done training. Like it is kind of the kind of thing that you have to continue to come back to and follow and you know maybe you try something and that you know miss the mark a little bit and all right what did we learn it's a really great opportunity for PDSA um, for observation and engagement and you know really listening to each other um, on the team to find out like how is this going for you you know what are the challenges and and to not be afraid when something doesn't go the way that we had hoped or expected to not be afraid to stop and say okay you know like that that wasn't like what I thought was going to happen like where where did that fall apart how can we um, make sure that that doesn't happen in the future um, you know if we it's okay to it's okay to make mistakes or you know if things don't work but we just need to learn from them and to continue to look for the ways that we can improve Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with our care team. Yeah, thanks for having me. A big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room.